today on It's Time. Being marked by a star, they recognize there's something really funny going on in the sky because we see a star. They realized something was going on and they said, this must be it. Over the mountains, over the valleys, I hear the calling, it's time, it's time, it's time. Welcome to It's Time. The daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Follow along as we join Pastor Mike. And so, the king liked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, look, if, 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 he was angry. He said, if you don't bow down and worship this, I'm going to fry you. And he gave him a couple of other chances, and they turned it down all times. And he says, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Is your God able to save you from the fiery furnace? And I like what these guys said. Like I say, you could come up with a sitcom. He said, whether our God will save us from the fiery furnace or not, we're not worshiping your stupid statue. I like that. That's kind of a boldness that, I don't know, seems like lacking nowadays. The king went berserk. Heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been and throw these into it. Exactly what happened. In fact, the guys throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, they killed because of the heat being so hot. And so, I think to please Nebuchadnezzar's wrath, he goes over and checks out the fiery furnace. But to his amazement, rather than a pile of, maybe a puff of black smoke coming out from the incinerated bodies... They're in there walking around. Hey, look at this. Wow, that's a charcoal you don't see every day. I don't know what they were talking about. But they were all in there. But then Nebuchadnezzar says something really strange. He says, I thought we put three in there and there's a fourth unto like the Son of God or Son of Man. How did Nebuchadnezzar know what the Son of God looked like? How do you know what the Son of Man would be like? Well, you see, he had these close encounters with God all along. And you know, it's funny that through that renown of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these Jewish children of Israel who brought with them out of Israel the promise of a Messiah that would come, the very scripture that we just read, they brought with them to Babylon. There is a king that's going to come that's going to make all things right. We need more information. Well, the Bible says that from the going out to restore and rebuild the city of Jerusalem till the coming of Messiah the Prince will be 69 sevens. Daniel was in his room 
And he looked at his nation Israel. David knew, the, uh, uh, excuse me, Daniel knew the scriptures concerning what David had said. His nation lays in ruins. Israel is really a joke. There's nothing there. Just a burned out, knocked down city in the Middle East. And David said, you know, God, you made all these promises to Abraham and to the children of Israel down through the ages. What's going to become of our nation? And God spoke to Daniel and said, Seventy sevens have been determined upon the nation of Israel. Now, seventy sevens is seventy seven year periods of time have been determined upon the nation of Israel, but in the 69th seven, Messiah will be cut off. And that stops the clock. And there's a missing seven year period of time to this day concerning the nation of Israel. It's not there. So the question then goes, where is this missing seven-year period of time? The clock stopped at 69 sevens. And so where is this going to be fulfilled? Well, it's interesting. He said, for when the commandment to go and restore the city of Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, will be 69 sevens. Well, As we all know, Artaxerxes gave the command to go and restore the city of Jerusalem, 445 B.C. Nehemiah and these guys, they all load up the truck and they all head back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. Exactly 143,880 days later, on April, in April, 32 A.D., on the exact day, Jesus is at the top of the Mount of Olives looking down into the city. And he makes his descent down the hill. And they began to lay palm branches down saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees were indignant. And they said, tell your disciples and these people to shut up. And Jesus said, I tell you that if they were to shut up, the very stones would cry out. It was their day of salvation. Even Jesus himself said it as he looked over the city right before he made his descent. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how off I would gathered you. But you would not. It was their day of salvation. That Palm Sunday, one week before he died, it was their, it was their day. But the city of Israel, or the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel weren't the only ones that knew about this prediction that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come based upon the exact days, and again, predicated upon a 360-day Babylonian calendar year. You say, well, what about the extra five days? They partied to make the 365 days. So the 360-day year they had, they partied for five days, and then they had another 300, you know, you get the idea. And so the people in Babylon knew about this Messiah to come. Now, most kings would come to power usually around their 30s. And so being marked by a star, they recognize there's something really funny going on in the sky. 
Because we see a star. They realized something was going on and they said, this must be it. Because the timing is right. Because if we figure the 180,880 days that from the time of going and restoring the city of Jerusalem to the coming of this Messiah, this is it. And they loaded up the truck and they headed to Jerusalem, bringing their gifts. And as they got there, they show up at Herod's house. Where's the king? Herod goes, I'm the king. No, no, the, the king that has stars in the sky. That, that's the one, not you. You're a little sawed off run. Where's the real king? By the way, Herod was a short guy. He was very short in stature, the Bible tells us. And he was troubled. He was terrified. That there's going to be another king to replace him. In fact, many people believe this is one of the reasons when you hear the terminology of Herod's temple, he made Herod's temple so dynamic that when somebody would look at it, they would acquaint the temple with himself. Thus the name Herod's temple. Why is that? Because it was overly ornate. In fact, the inside of the temple was lined with gold. He provided, though an employee of the Roman government, he, he, he equipped those people to build this ornate temple. And that's why when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one of these stones will be left upon another. Not only was that unbelievable what Jesus said because of how ornate and fortified looking it was and being lined with gold, but that it would also end the idea of Herod's temple. It was supposed to be God's temple. And when Titus came in in 70 AD and burnt the city of Jerusalem, the fire inside the temple was so hot, it melted the gold, and the gold ran into the cracks. And for those scavengers that came along, the recyclers, they tore the bricks down so they could get the gold out, that ran into the cracks. Exactly what Jesus said. So when the wise men came and said, where is this king? He was troubled. Then he goes, and by the way, he goes to the Sanhedrin. The Bible says the city of Jerusalem was troubled. Why is that? To imagine to have a king born in your midst and you not know about it. You see, again, there are the three kinds of people in the world. Herod, full of hatred, animosity towards God. The priests, indifferent. They were self-satisfied in their religion. And then you have the wise who came to worship him. Everybody's in one of three categories. I always like to uh, kind of do the uh, analysis. You know, uh, uh, we all have that when we start our cars up, usually, you put the key in the ignition, you turn the key on, you hear the sound of the engine start where you hear all 75 horses underneath the hood pounding the turf. Yeah, ready to go. And you check your gauges and you see that you have a half a tank of gas and the red engine light for oil has gone out and you have the temperature light. You do the analysis that lets you know, yeah, I think it's relatively safe to head on my journey. Well, as I look at this, I realize that 
Sometimes in the Bible, when the Bible gives us outlines of different people's personality, who they are and what they are, God gives us that analysis. Which one are you? Are you indifferent towards the gospel? Do you have a hatred towards the gospel? Or are you a worshiper? And see, friends, I believe that God's design for this is so important. And so he says that they went, and let's just finish reading this and then we'll end today. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me so I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. Now this right here, friends, is interesting. Because the first star they saw, they were coming from the east towards Jerusalem. Okay? And so that would be one star that got them there. But then the star went away, and this is why they had to go and inquire at Herod's house. After they inquired at Herod's house, they were told that the child would be born in Bethlehem, and they rejoiced, and the star reappears. But this time, it's in a different quadrant. It's not bringing them right due east, because Jerusalem is, is, uh, or Bethlehem is not east of Jerusalem, Bethlehem is north. And so it was a different array that brought them there. In fact, there's a really interesting DVD. Perhaps we can, maybe uh, we'll see if we can't get that shown here or something again. But how uh, a guy went back using the the charts of NASA and realized that there probably was this collage of stars that brought the wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And then it just so happened a few days later, there was another group of stars that that went together and directed them the other way. Well, the Bible says whether it was supernatural or whether it was just stars lining up, I don't know, but I do know this, that they found him. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they come to the house, not the manger, see, there's a change here. They saw the young child. Now, it doesn't say it was baby Jesus. Now it's a young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold, which you would give to a king, frankincense, which is what you would give a priest and part of the anointing, and myrrh, which is embalming fluid. Now, that's a weird thing to give to a baby. Here, have some formaldehyde. Oh, thank you. I, I was waiting for that. What to give somebody you don't know what to give? The gift that keeps on giving. No, I don't know. But the thing is, they were inspired to give these gifts, which spoke of Jesus's ministry, his royalty, his priestliness, and his death. And so then it says, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Now, again, this is where the ministry of Joseph comes in. Mary gets a lot of uh, accolade 
Jesus, of course, deserving so. But Joseph sometimes is not really heard much of. But you know, it was God that spoke to Joseph and said, take the young child and get to Egypt because Herod will seek his life. And when Herod realized that the wise men did not return that way, he was full of anger and ordered all the children to and under to be killed in Bethlehem. And um, so we realized that exactly what God said would happen, happens. This morning, which one are you? Are you one that adores Christ? Are you one that's indifferent towards Christ? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I let Jesus in uh, yeah, spiritual smorgasbord, a little, little uh, gravy on my potatoes. Yeah, yeah, just a little Jesus with my day-to-day life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or is there an animosity towards God? I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do what I want to do. That's why the Bible says no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. See, we have to die to ourselves and accept what he wants us to do. But when I do that, I can call him daddy. And I have a father that loves me. See, I have a father that's directing my life. I have a father that no longer is my life just kind of helter-skelter going from day to day, but I actually have a God that plans out my life, that knows what I'm supposed to do, how to do it, and all those things. You say, but God, I might mess up. God says, I'm bigger than your problems. Trust me. And that's what God does. And so people that try to thwart the plan of God, like Nebuchadnezzar did, well, I'll just build a whole gold statue. That way my kingdom will never end. His kingdom ended. In fact, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, interesting guy, had close encounters with God of the real kind many times, like maybe some of you. Hardened his heart many times until he walked out on his palace one day and he saw the hanging gardens, one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world. And he looked at everything and he said, I am something, man. Look at what I did. And God says, you're crazy. The Bible says he took away his sanity for seven seasons. Now, some people interpret that to be seven years. Some people interpret it to be, you know, seven seasons, you know, uh, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, you know, kind of thing. I don't know how long he lost his mind, but the Bible says his fingernails grew out long. And people would come and say, where's your king? Ah, he's in the backyard gardening, because the Bible says that he would not come inside. He would be out like an animal rooting in the ground. Completely nuts until he came to his senses. And then he comes out of his insanity with one of the greatest praises that you've ever heard. Sounds like King David wrote it about how great God is. I expect to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven because of what he wrote concerning the God that he finally understood who he was. You see, I don't believe it's too late for anybody if they're breathing. Where the problem comes in is when they stop breathing. And this is where a lot of the religions of the world placate to that. Well, you know, we'll just pray them out of purgatory or we'll baptize them for the dead or we'll do some other incantation. But the book of Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Who are you? A worshiper, an indifference, or a hater. Everybody today is determining what position they're going to have for eternity.
This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're living your life your way, your indifference towards God because you're saying, well, I want to do what I want to do, but yet in the same time, you see the futility of it, I would invite you to come into the kingdom of God today. If you're maybe somebody like Herod that's, that's fighting against God, don't you know God's <laughs> fists are bigger than yours? And by surrendering, you'll finally find out why you were put on this earth. And then you too can be a worshiper this morning. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. You can ask Jesus to come in your life. And the Bible says he will forgive you. He will adopt you. He will cause you to be his child. I like that. We're adopted. In fact, the Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the word Abba that Paul uses there is not a word for an adopted child. It's a word for a natural born child into the family of God. Isn't that amazing that God wants to reference this not as somebody brought in, but somebody that's always been there. Isn't that great to know? I like that. Then you can get to know who God is. And God shows you, the Bible says, his greatness every day. If you've never prayed, you're tired of living the way you've lived, we're going to pray right now. You can ask God to change it. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I don't want to be indifferent towards you ever again or rebelling against you ever again. But I want to be a worshiper. And so, Lord, I ask you from this day forward to come into my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins and now I can be your child so fill me with your Holy Spirit empower me to love and to be bold for your name and from this day forward write my name in your book of life I want to spend eternity with you in Jesus name amen prayed that welcome to God's family starts with a prayer God will show you your whole life is goodness. I've shared this so many times before, but somebody will say, well, how can just praying a prayer change my destiny? Same way when you sign the title deed of your property over to somebody else that just bought it. See, you can go to and from your house all you want, but the day you sign that title deed off, just a signature, like a prayer. You sign your... You don't get to go home to your house anymore. It belongs to somebody else. You sign the backside of the, the pink slip on your car. And what you were driving around yesterday and day before and years before now is no longer yours because you made a signature on a little piece of paper that says, I no longer own that. Well, when you pray, as simple as that is, simple as it is to sign up your whole life changes because God says, okay, I'm going to take you at your word and we're going to do great things together. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has for those that love him. I believe, friends, not only in the life to come, but this life as well. Let God bless you. Start reading your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start at chapter 3. And just read. Let God speak to you. We'll have a baptism. Be around Christians, those that are worshipers. Again, you're known by the company you keep. Worshipers. And you're going to be blessed. Your life will be straightened out. Your God will heal you, restore you, just as we read in Psalm 72. That great prayer that David wrote for his son, and I believe all those who love God as well. This morning...
If you prayed, I got a couple little DVDs I'd like to give you. And uh, we always take time at the end of every service to pray for one another. If you need prayer, maybe I just want to thank the Lord for something he's done for you this week. We can do that too. But that's what we do. Father, for every person listening and in this room, God, we ask you that you would speak to us and bring us closer to you. The Father, that nothing is by accident in your word. And because of your word, we know that we can trust you because you know tomorrow. And so may we all be found in you. May we live in that forgiveness that you offer us. May we not let our past beat us up anymore. But Lord, as David said, your promises are new every morning. So may we live in that newness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike, and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.